0: just a week has passed since the third grand slam of the year and already the grass court season seems a distant memory all eyes now turn back to the hard courts where one man will be looking to continue his form on the atp world tour
1: match point federer second serve Serve comes down. Backhand flick to the feet of Vavrinka who plays the backhand back to the backhand. They're going backhand to backhand cross. It's looping from Federer. He's out of court, Vavrinka. Inside in goes Federer. Stretch from Vavrinka. Volley winner, Roger Federer! And that is it. A fifth Indian Wells title for Roger Federer. Backhand return from Nadal is long!
0: Federer has won his third title of the year at 35. This extraordinary career just gets better and better. He's beaten his great rival now
1: for the 14th time in his career. And it's Roger Federer who wins here in Miami. This for the title for Federer again. Serves out wide, the return comes back, the backhand ball is perfect. Roger Federer champion in Halle
0: once again. I'm Seb Lozier and you're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast brought to you from the stunning Westside Tennis Club, one of the premier clubs in Surrey. And why are we here, Miles McLaggan?
2: Well, it's just up the road from the All England Club where the, the buzz was just a week or so ago. And it's, it's great to see that tennis does continue on outside those two weeks. A beautiful club here, 12... 12 courts, varying surfaces. And also what I love to see, there's a tennis wall. We don't see enough of those people. So many of the top players we talk to, talk. they see a wall and they say, oh, that reminds me of when I was a junior and the hours
0: I spent hitting there. So nice to see people hitting on there. And it's just a great vibe at this club. We were in the clubhouse before, pictures of Andre Agassi, Leighton Hewitt, the Bryan brothers up on the wall. Clearly, this has been used by some pretty good players. It certainly has. Yes, a couple of... A couple of them come
2: up here to um, to hit on the hard courts to keep a rhythm going during during the tournament and um,
0: and a few promotional events. So they've seen a lot of big stars come through. That the voice of Miles McLagan, former coach of Andy Murray and a regular commentator now on the game, including for ATP tennis radio. Plenty to come over the next half an hour or so. We'll hear from Roger Federer, Sashas Zverev. Miles gives his all-time five hard court players. We put your questions to Miles, and we also look forward to the German and tennis championships in Hamburg. First of all, Miles, let's just reflect, though. Three weeks ago, we were sitting not far from here in Wimbledon Village, looking ahead to the the Wimbledon championships. Some of your predictions came good, some of them not so good. Um, As ever, there were some delicious storylines along the way as you'd expect, your reflections uh, in general on the fortnight. Well, let's focus on the ones that came good, shall
2: we? <laughs> you know, of course, the headline that stands out is Roger Federer. We did, you know, did expect the winner to come from the the Big Four, so at least we got that part right. But um, yeah, a few surprises on on the way. Uh, uh, Murray. You know, not not being as as fit as he would like. Djokovic, of course, pulling out unusual at a, um, well something that used to be a, a quite commonplace for him. He has got the dubious record of having pulled out of all four Grand Slams in his time, but you know, got um, much tougher since. And then, of course, Nadal, who was my my favourite, alongside uh, Federer, losing in that epic match to Muller. Can you think of a best match, a favourite match that you uh, that you enjoyed? Well, on the subject of Nadal, it was that Muller match that was just, you know, was a great time of day. That the drama was, was epic. It went on and on, and, and it was so often when someone faces Nadal in that sort of um, situation, you expect them them to be the one that buckles. But uh, Gilles Muller was incredibly strong, played great tennis, just stayed with him and stayed with him. And I think the time of the time and night that it was played as well. It was uh, it was one of the last matches on. Court and it had everybody's attention. It was real drama, and, and I, I had a, a personal moment actually, much earlier in the tournament for for um, Nadal. He's playing John Millman, and I was commentating on, on court one, and and we've got a great uh, vision point, and that one of those incredible rallies, which I think Millman won, and he sort of spotted me in the box. I know him r- reasonably well, and <laughs> he just looked over and smiled as if to say, "Oh my goodness, how long am I going to have to go through with this?"
0: <laughs> you you mentioned Federer. And in many ways, that's the only place we should start uh, this week with this man.
1: This for the title, for Federer again. Serves out wide, the return comes back, the backhand ball is perfect.
3: The year's been great. I think the balance is key. Whatever you do in life, get the balance right between practice, matches or rest.
1: What a 2017 it's been for Roger Federer. His incredible eighth title at Wimbledon means the Swiss Maestro becomes the second player this year to qualify for the season-ending NITO ATP finals. He joins Rafael Nadal at the 0-2 after what's been a remarkable journey back to his very best. From Switzerland, Roger Federer! Nobody predicted Federer's jaw-dropping start to the year. After months away from the ATP World Tour, Roger returned to conquer Melbourne at the Australian Open.
3: I think this might be my most special Grand Slam ever won because it came so unexpected. Reminds me maybe of my first one.
1: If that was impressive, what happened next would stun the sporting world.
3: It was an unbelievable summer there in America and uh, I played some amazing tennis.
1: Back-to-back titles in Indian Wells and Miami saw both ATP World Tour Masters 1,000 tournaments dominated by an old master, turning back the clock.
0: Federer completes the sunshine double.
1: Next up, a tough call for the Swiss, who decided to miss the clay swing to prepare for the rest of the year.
3: I was practicing extremely hard on my fitness so that down the stretch I would be just working on my tennis really at the end and that's what I've been doing and then at the end I was pacing myself and just getting really ready for the, the grass court season.
1: And he soon found his feet on the grass. Federer's ninth win in Halle, justifying his decision.
3: I'm like on cloud nine right now after the ninth win here in Halle. It's, it's a wonderful feeling to win here again because I'm, I'm not sure if I'll ever get a chance to win this again so it's important to enjoy this one.
1: Then of course came the magic of Wimbledon. It all adds up to Emirates ATP rankings points and Roger's remarkable year will now officially end at the 0-2 in November. But who will be joining Federer and Nadal in London? The anticipation is building.
3: A lot of the guys are going to start playing their best now in the second half of the season. So I think it's going to be a really epic finish. The Swiss
0: continues his remarkable start to 2017. Miles, so much has been said about Roger the GOAT Federer. Um, how do you assess this latest achievement?
2: It's it's absolutely incredible. I mean, what he did in Australia was no one predicted. I don't think there was, if, if people are honest with themselves, no one even thought that might have been a possibility. I mean, even Roger himself said it ex- exceeded his expectations. But just phenomenal what he's, I, I think he's, there's no question he's, in my mind he's put himself as the, as the greatest player ever i mean there were there were arguments for it there were you know I, I could pick arguments of why Nadal was the greatest jock of achievement, and then of course, you go back to to labor and so and so but but at the age he 's done it the the fashion in which he's he 's played his, his game it's 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 actually incredible see it is like a, it's it's James Bond of tennis just <laughs> getting it all
0: right isn 't he yeah to have been written off and then come back like Rafa in a way like even Muhammad Ali in another, a totally different sport. Does that almost take his greatness to another level, to have come back and done it against, in many ways, another generation?
2: It, it certainly does. I mean, it's, I think it's not just the once that he was... I mean, written off is maybe a little bit strong because he's always been a great player, but even you know, going back five or six years and he went down to sort of eight in the world and, and his tennis wasn't... He was looking vulnerable against Nadal and Andy and was getting the better of him, Jocko, and... and you know you wondered if you would maybe uh just stop to sort of secure his legacy a a little bit because it wouldn't you know might tarnish it if he hung around a bit but one thing i've learned is don't try and guess what's in the mind of these greats. They, they, they're great because they think differently. They don't put limits on themselves. Uh, and we've seen with what Roger can do here. He just he goes out. I think he plays with a different, well, maybe without pressure, but different, a definitely different mindset to most athletes around the world. And that would definitely puts him alongside those greats that you mentioned, uh, Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan,
0: Pele. So the million-dollar question, on a tennis court as a coach and with a coach's eye, What's making him so good? Break it down for us. He he does
2: everything so well. The old Roger Federer, there were parts of his game that, the, the backhand basically. You thought if you got it up high to the backhand, you, you would at least have room to breathe. You'd be in a rally. You could you, you'd have a chance, and you might make an error. And then you know we saw that against Nadal so often when Nadal would eventually hit two, three, four of those heavy forehands, and 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 he'd drop it short. But that backhand has become a, a weapon now. We saw that on the hard court season, particularly. Uh, Australia into Wales Miami where he was actually able to dominate those those rallies cross quarters he, he talked a, a little bit of the work he did with Edberg of flattening the backswing out which made the shot a little less flicky a little easier to time and maybe got a bit more drive through the ball so it could you know in, in turn the tables on Rafa in particular who he beat a couple of times uh, so instead of Roger being the one who's defending he was able to get in the front foot but on top of that, the serve. I mean, we we talk so much about how great the serve is, but it's the precision, uh, it's the disguise. And he actually, you, you know, when you when you're teaching kids when they're young, you try and get the ball toss in the same spot all the time, so your opponent can't recognise it. But he's gone a step further, where he actually varies it and sort of maybe put um, the the ball toss might go to the right a bit, so the opponent thinks the slice is coming and he goes up the middle. So it's the it's the the double whammy or the you know the the, the double fake, uh, and his ability to land. And the first serve under pressure i'd like to, you know we've got so many stats but i'd love to see the first serve percentage on break points or crucial points and he's so good at that coming up with it on the big moments so i think those are the two key area of, of key areas of his game that has improved but you know also the the timeout has allowed him to come out and play fit for a long time he he was i think there was some frustration there because he wasn't able to train the way he wanted so he wasn't as quick as fast as he would like to be um, so he's addressed that with that timeout and i think with that has come a you know Real mental confidence in, in his
0: whole ability, in his ability all round. He's obviously managing his back a little bit, but he's 35 years old. He's playing like a 25-year-old. He's fit. He looks like he could go five sets with all these guys. And you mentioned before it's an interesting point. He keeps his training very much to himself. He doesn't broadcast how he trains, how he keeps himself in that kind of shape. It's, it's a there's an area of mystique, an element of mystique about it in a way. There, there certainly
2: is, and that's the way he's he's always gone about his tennis you know the, the contrast to that a different way to go about it is Andy Murray who's often you know posted clips of himself training and he's sort of advertised how strong and fit he is which is just a different way to go about it Federer's kept a, a little bit closer but there's no question he's worked uh incredibly efficiently I mean you see his you know jokes aside he's got big strong legs and his left arm looks you know it's it's like a pencil basically but <laughs> he's worked out that you know he doesn't need a big bulging left bicep to play the great tennis he does so his body is not only is it designed to play great tennis but he's maximized that and i I think all players have you know a lot of the focus of training has gone into injury prevention now so so being strong in the areas that
0: can break down and for roger too it's often said that he loves the game so much. He loves the, the travel. Obviously, it helps that he can afford to take his wife and kids around the world with him when he when he needs to. The grind isn't the grind like it is for other players. H- how significant is that? I think it's huge. And, and you know, he's obviously earned those rights. He's not worried about.
2: Um you know, excess baggage charges and, and, uh, and whether he can afford that extra hotel room. But, you know, he's absolutely earned that. But he does, I think he he does love tennis. And you see, uh, you know, I've been at tournaments, chat to his agent, and, you know, he's saying, Roger's texting him, saying, what's happening there? What's, uh, you know, w- what so is so-and-so say about this match? He's interested in what goes on. He loves the game. And, and I think that's got to be helped by, you know, the success you have it makes everything more enjoyable it would you know if you're grinding around in some of the smaller tournaments and having to to pack yourself into rickety taxis and that sort of thing it would take some of the gloss of it but you know he he is such so unique in that way and, and I think he's been around long enough now that the, pressures he feel, the only pressure he, I believe that he feels is to perform and to see how, how he reacts to certain situations. He's not feeling the pressures of you know, uh, what other people think of him. He's gone beyond that, I believe.
0: Yeah, as we heard in the feature, Federer is now qualified for the Nitto ATP finals. He joins Rafa. Both of them have only played a handful of tournaments. Incredible stuff. Currently in the other six places are Team, Varinka, Chilic, Zverev, Djokovic and Murray. Those just outside the top eight, Dimitrov, Burdich, Goffin, Kareño Busta, Tsonga, Nishikori and Raonic. Who do you think could potentially start to work their way into contention? And is it, I guess, the younger guys who are a bit fitter and have uh, more, more Petra in the tank? Well, what's interesting was it wasn't the younger guys who necessarily came through in the last few weeks at
2: Wimbledon. And I think, you know, Marin Cilic, unfortunately into Wimbledon, but he is playing some... Some great tennis, um, and I think he'll be definitely eyeing up you know on the on the back of his Wimbledon form is, you know thinking he can go in and, and get another u s open title and and why not when he's on form incredible uh Dominic team looking for a another great clay court season looking for a uh, to build on the hard court season to really make a mark in that, and you know one I think it was a little disappointing for all of us. Was you know the, the Kyrios had to pull out at Wimbledon, and we, we we want to see him do well. He's he's a different sort of player. He can um, he can be anybody on his day. So you know, hopefully he's he's recovered from his um, the hip injury that he pulled out with. Because we'd love to see you know more players in the mix. And then of course you've got the the usual guy, the, the the Murray Djokovic. We wait to see how how they've pulled up after Wimbledon, and the of course, who can light it up at any time.
0: And one thing they're all going to have to do now is transition to another surface they've gone from clay to grass okay some have gone back to clay this week and we'll look forward to Hamburg shortly but in the main now players are starting to turn their attentions back to the hard courts Montreal, Cincinnati and then of course the US Open what do the changes in surface and and this change in particular do to the body and, and, and mean for the players this one is, is possibly not so
2: drastic from the, the, the way the, the grass plays because it, it's almost an easier change around coming the grass the ball's a little bit lower the backs get stiff the, you know the, the the glutes get a bit stiffer because you're bending down and and playing lower ball so you know the higher bounce and, and the the, the, the sure of footing I think the thing for the going into the hard court season is it's tougher on the joints so if you want to get you you want to be starting it fresh and, and not with aches and pains already so it's, it's just getting that time off and then building it up slowly you know, a lot of players will start uh, you know, half an hour on their first day, an hour on the next day, you know, an hour for a couple of days, and then you know, an hour and a half. Build it up slowly because the worst thing, I think, for a, a pro or any player is to suddenly go onto a new surface, churn out hours and hours. Then you're injured, your, your, your training program goes backwards, uh, and you have to start all over again.
0: Still to come, Miles. I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for your top five all-time hardcore players. We're also going to put some questions to you from the listeners who've been tweeting in and sending their questions in via Facebook through the ATP World Tours channels. We also hear from Sasha Zverev, and we look forward, of course, to next week's ATP 500 event in
3: Hamburg. You're listening to ATP Tennis Radio available on the official website and apps TuneIn Radio and in-home via Sonos, Google Home and Amazon Echo
0: So Miles, we've talked about the transition back to hardcore and it's fair to assume that all the top players have had to do that because they'll have been playing at Wimbledon and before that at the French so there's nothing like a top five to get Twitter buzzing who makes your top five hard quarters of the open era starting at number five?
2: Do We have to start at number five, I think because th- that's where it gets interesting, I think. Let's, um, I had a lot of fun looking at this actually, and it's quite interesting. I think the first couple are, are fairly simple. So
0: you're going straight in, the, the best two.
2: Federer. you know, five, five U.S. Opens in a win I- in a row, uh, five Aussie titles, all the master series, he's won. I think hard to argue against that, fair enough. Djokovic, for me, is in there as well. There's two US Opens, five finals, six Aussies. I mean, it's it's an incredible, incredible record. And, of course, his record in the the thousands, I think, is um, the, the amount he's won. And the players he's beaten in those as well. He's beaten the other top players. Sampras, after that, for me, five US Opens, two Aussies. Just, you know, incredible player. Mixed his game up, finished at that US Open with a win. What a what a way to go out. And, you know, for so long he was the... It's amazing now that we talk about the greatest of all time and he doesn't really get in into the equation uh, a whole lot anymore. Um, I think those are f- fairly modern. Alongside um, uh, Sampras, of course, is, is Agassiz. A couple of US Opens. And, and I think the greats, we have to sort of measure it on... On the Grand Slam because there are some the surfaces have changed over time um, the Masters series have, have moved around a, a little bit um, but actually a couple of US Opens four finals four Aussies and and wins at all four of what, what's now the Masters 1000 and some, some great matches along the way so there's four and this was I, I think for me those were quite clear but then it got a little bit interesting after that I mean there's names in there of course like Edberg Becker, they they won US opens. Um, they 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 won down in Australia. Great, great players. Jimmy Connors five US opens, but three of those were actually on the clay. Would he would they have would he have won more if they'd been on hard? Quite quite possibly. Johnny Mack has four US opens, uh, all on the hard. Didn't didn't uh, didn't manage to snag an Aussie open title. But then again things things would were, were different down there. So I've gone with a little bit of sentiment because he was a favorite of mine growing up Ivan lindel. Oh right. And someone who also doesn't get mentioned in the grades because I think he doesn't necessarily top any categories but he's in a around eight US open finals in a row. I mean that's just just phenomenal the, the machine of his time the, the the mark against him is only three wins from, from the eight which you know in this uh, in this class of player is uh, is I guess leaves an asterisk over it. A couple U.S. Opens, but I, I enjoy watching him play. So, but it's very much open for debate, and I and I also appreciate that I've gone quite recent in times, so or people looking back who will, uh, you know, well, I'm sure will remind me of some some of the, the past
0: players. Federer, top, sure. Djokovic, yep. Sampras, yep. Agassi, yep. Lendl. It is. I don't think many people can argue with you. You're, you know, and let's see how the Twitter sphere reacts. They're all, all obviously men players, male players with the ATP tennis radio podcast. If you were to throw a woman in there, um, as as a real dominant force on on hard, well, you don't
2: have to look too far, really. Do you? I mean, uh, Steffi Graf in her day was, was absolutely incredible, but Serena has been really has been the, the dominant force in, in women's tennis in recent times
0: now we have some listener questions for you miles first one from at kitsmore science through twitter how do you overcome pressure and I'm, i think they're talking about as a club player when you're 15-40 down on your own serve and you need to create winners and you Obviously, don't need to be serving double faults. How, as a club player, do you really start to crystallise what you need to be doing in that situation?
2: Right Well, this is a point where I throw all the cliches at you. <laughs> it's the old one point at a time, but and it, but it's true. And I think that uh, I think what's interesting is. For club players and the very best pros, the answers are often the same. I mean, the, the drills you do are the, the same. The, the, the fixes for for technique are they, they may be less exaggerated at the top of the game, but they're the same. So it is about putting that score out of you out of your mind, and whether it's just you know focusing on on the next thing you're going to do, just getting that serve in place, pick a specific spot on the court that you're trying to play. Because if you are fully focused on one thing, there is no room for anything else. If you truly focus on where you're going to hit that serve, there's not room in your mind for thinking, it's 1540. if I lose this point, I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm a breakdown break down, or whatever it may be. And I think this is also where players, again, at all levels, not to overplay. Choose the best players out there, you know, Djokovic, Federer and Murray, they have simple patterns to their game. So if you can slot into those in the pressure moments, you'll, you'll do as well as you can.
0: Second question from Abso Paranam. To what degree, I think we're now talking as a professional coach, do you study films of an upcoming opponent when, say, you've got Andy Murray and he's playing against, you know, not necessarily Novak because you know what he's doing, but another slightly lesser known player. How much will you be really uh, studying them on video?
2: You, you get a good look if you can. I mean, the the, the difference with tennis and, and other sports is the matches can be day after day. So I suppose if you're a football team or a rugby team, you've got a week to to look at it, whereas tennis, you're, you're the next day. So what... what um, the ATP tour do, which is great. If you're on a TV court, you will get a, a, a little uh, USB clip with your match on it. So I've got a bag full of those at home. So when I was traveling, you know, you take that with you wherever you go and you dig out the time, the, the, the last time the, your player might have played that play. So you have a look at it and also take, you know, you would often take notes during a match and, and write down thoughts afterwards. So you combine that so that you can go to your player and say, listen, last time this worked well for you. Last time this he tried to do this to you and and this is how you eventually stopped it or remember at the start of the match he served he served everything out wide to the forehand for the first couple games and then he changed so you 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 get a a little look at it and of course it depends who you're playing if your player's playing roger federer it's pretty easy to just go you go on youtube and by the time you've clicked (laughs) ro federer's name's probably popped up a little different if you if you're playing someone lower down the rankings which is often when you want to do the
0: research because you don't know them so well Third question from Karen Morgan through Facebook this time. I like this question. Miles, go back to your she's asking you to go back to your first Wimbledon. Do you want to play in the first round if you could replay the whole thing again? Do you want to play a qualifier in the first round and potentially have a you know an easy route through to the second round or do you want to play the defending champion Andre Agassi on center court first round?
2: I don't want to play Andre Agassi. <laughs> that would, I was nervous enough for my first Wimbledon that going on centre court against him would have been too much. My, my, first, um, my first Wimbledon as a junior, I was I was really nervous. and we, It was a late match on in the day, and court two became available. And the locker room guy said, is your opponent around because court two's free, you can go on there. I had one look at, no, 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 he's nowhere in sight. <laughs> we'll stick with court 11, thank you very much. And then my first Wimbledon as a senior, I actually... Uh, played a a chain-smoking German called Carsten Brash, and actually won in in five sets, so I was pretty happy to to get through that. So maybe in the second round to have played a big name and you kind of felt you've earned your way into it and you're a bit more confident, but I think I I found Wimbledon a a pretty intimidating place to come up against, especially someone like Andre, who had the charisma he did on centre-court.
0: No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Poor old Carsten, maybe he needed a cigarette between sets four and five. Now, we'll be looking ahead to the ATP World Tour 500 clay court event in Hamburg shortly, but one German star who's chosen instead to get straight out onto the hard courts is Alexander Sasha Zverev. He's been speaking with Gabriel Clark from the ATP World Tour Uncovered weekly programme. Alexander Zverev, the first time in his young life he's made this walk onto the court as a Masters 1000 finalist.
1: stick back out! Zverev has done it! Zverev is the champion in Rome, they the won. youngest winner here they since they the in 2006, Six his first Masters 1000 final. If a wind of change is blowing through men's tennis, at the head of it is Germany's Sasha Zverev, a precocious talent now with an ATP World Tour Masters 1000 title. Amongst his other highlights this season was a win in Munich. Which meant everything to his father.
4: Winning the whole thing was uh, was quite amazing. It was the first time ever I actually saw him that emotional. Um, you know he, he knows how much it means to me winning my first title in Germany, and you know he's been there for the whole way, and uh, he's 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 li- really living the life that I'm living. So um, it's always great to see someone like him getting getting a little bit uh, emotional and knowing what it means to him as well.
1: Along with his family network, the key to Sasha's success has been old-fashioned hard work.
4: Well, the I did a lot of hard physical work, um, a lot of hard training, you know, try to improve my serve, try to improve my forehand back and all those kinds of things. But uh, you know, the physical part was probably one of the hardest things that needed to improve.
1: Team Zverev is dedicated in their bid to realize Sasha's potential and the tennis world is taking notice.
4: My team is expanding uh, right now. I mean, you know, we just got Hugo, who was with ATP physio staff for, for 12 years. You know, a few years ago we got Jazz, so you know, there's a lot of pieces coming together, so my, my team is great and obviously everybody's understanding each other very well and everybody's listening to each other and everybody respects each other. Someone like Jess says, okay, today afternoon we need an extra physical session, you know, someone like my dad, who's my coach, I'm not going to argue against it, so that's why the team atmosphere is so great. Nick Kyrgios. He's been playing great tennis, um, he's got a massive future ahead. I'm actually envying him in a way, that, you know, he does all the right things, he's very professional and, you know he's always kind to me. We we played juniors together, so it was always good. Um, you know having him to sort of talk to or hang out with at, at different you know different tournaments. And he's got a lot of potential.
3: Misha Zverev. I'm
4: very proud of my brother because he's he's ten years younger. But since they won, I knew he's going to be a great player. So I'm very proud of that because I always believed in I think, more than anyone else. And I knew he's going to be good one day. You know I knew before that I could compete and win against the best players in the world. Of course in Rome. I showed that and won the turn which is something very special um, but I think the hard work and the, you know the things I was doing in a practice court have to continue
0: well Mars we've talked about one great of the game in Federer and now potentially talking about another future star of the game well undoubted future star of the game and the first thing you say with Zverev 20 years old really only just 20 as well he seems so mature talking in English as well how good is this guy
2: He's very, very good. When he won that first tournament in Rome, he obviously we looked through the records of the, of the names he's alongside, winning at that time, and it, it is the great. He's, his game's not finished yet, but it's very very effective um, he's, you know, we saw a couple of years ago in Indian Wales he had those match points against Nadal and, and one of the things Nadal said off that was his serve and particularly his second serve which is such a barometer of, um, of players is something that uh, can really put him on the front
0: foot so he he's the real deal yeah and he mentioned his team, and he's also now adding Juan Carlos Ferrero for the U.S. Hardcourt season, which is which is an interesting one. You say his game's not quite finished yet. What are they going to be looking to finish? What what's what's still to be done? I think
2: uh, coming forward, the uh, transition game to the net is is still to be added, and he he's a talented uh, player, so he will be able to to adjust to that. And I think one of the the flaws flaws is maybe a little bit strong but he plays a long way behind the baseline which is going to be able to be exposed by some players and on some surfaces so the ability to to play a little bit closer to the baseline when he wants to. He doesn't need to all the time because he generates a huge amount of power so if he's, if he's getting set up and hitting big deep hits... Near the baseline, a bit like Robin Sodling used to do. Then th- there's no danger. But when, when someone like Federer, I think, has the ability to take the ball early to play short slices, as he dismantled him and Hallow, albeit on grass, he needs to be able to adjust to that. And I think the way he the way he serves and how big he hits the ball, if he can come f- come to the net and, and finish points off, which has really seemed to be the one of the few ways to beat the, the, the great movers like Murray and Djokovic, then you know he'll add that to his game.
0: 20 years old you've worked with a number of players uh, young players born a Chorich among them recently when do you know as a coach that a player has something special it's difficult to generalise I know but is it is it a certain age is it a certain time in their progress
2: I think from 14-ish you start to see signs of pedigree there's very few players particularly there'd be some in the top 100 but particularly in the top 10 who haven't had a had a few standout results in the juniors whether it's winning the europeans the orange bowl a junior grand slam and some of them may have you know the likes of nadal i don't believe he won any of the grand slams but i mean he was just playing you know what he would have been doing as as a 15 year old in those uh, low rank professional tournaments would have would have been a standout. And I think particularly someone like um, Zverev, he's just the way... He's top ten already, so it's not really pushing the boat out too far. But the way he conducts himself, the way he's been... Um, uh, the people he has around him is is a sign that he really sees himself going to the top.
0: And physically, Zverev, as a player, he's obviously very tall, he's pretty slight. He's going to beef up a bit, you'd think, to deal with the rigours of the tour. Gunter Bresnik, interestingly, famously now, recently told us that a top player he reckons should be able to play 100 matches a season. And Dominic Thiem plays a lot of tournaments. He's 23. Different build, in a way, to Zverev. With someone as tall as Zverev, do you think the physical side of things could potentially be a little tricky area, or do you expect him to to come through that? Uh, It it
2: potentially could be, but I think they've taken great care of that. They've He's got a very experienced trainer with him, Jez Green, who uh, uh, did a lot of experiment his, his experimental work on me. <laughs> um, and uh, actually, I did work alongside Jez Green when he was starting out. And he's been in the business for a long time, 20 years. And I think he, yeah, And he's obviously worked with Murray and he's learned stuff from then about managing a player at the top of the game. And, uh, you know, I think Jez would be the first to admit that... He, uh, as everybody does, you change the way you do things, and, and he is dealing with a, a different athlete now. So a lot of that work is at strength around the supporting joints, the hips, the shoulders, because Zverev is not necessarily going to need to develop power by being strong. He's got the leverage. He needs to then control those levers when they're when they're moving. So that'll be a big focus of of his uh, his
0: training. And fascinating, just finally, also to hear Nick Kyrgios there admitting almost that you know he actually envies. Anyway, he actually said, I envy him in the way he goes about his business and does the right thing. He obviously respects him a lot.
2: I'm sure he does, and he's right too. Too, and it is. I think a lot of that's come from as you as were talking about the, the family support, because they've got that tennis pedigree in the family. They're not that phased by the fact that he's top ten. It's not, you know, it's not out of their will. They've seen it before. They they they've been there, and they and they realise. So it's, it's very much a, that unit that keeps his feet on the ground, and and they can see, they can see the future, the long term future, which is a huge asset. You often. That's not that apparent in this world. It's very—it's about the quick gain, the money you can make now. And I think he's Sasha's been fortunate enough to have that group around him that can see the long, the big picture.
0: If Zverev is to rise to the heights you'd expect him to, who are his main rivals going to be in five, ten years' time? Do you think?
2: Well you you mentioned Kyrios and I, I think he is um he is turning things around. Uh it was great to see his um his countryman Thanasi Kokanakis back at uh at Wimbledon this year. We hope he gets a good run of uh, good health. Um the Americans have got a, a deep um deep number of players are taylor fritz uh, francis Tierfer some guys who who can can really play rublev starting to win some matches so i think that age group that they are starting to come through so that's it's very hard we see the the likes of you know the, the injuries that we're having kirios for example will that stop what toll will will that take when will that kick in will that stop his runs deep in the tournament and then of, of course you know the um, who we saw the emergence of on on the, on the grass, uh, Denis Shapovalov winning some matches at at, at Queens, uh, playing some attractive tennis, and of course uh, the big Russian, uh, Hashinov who's who's really starting to. I think possibly because of where he's from, not much as much noise is made about it, but boy, that guy can play.
0: And and you've also, I guess, got Team and Goffin, who are literally just three years older than those guys.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah forget about that. They've also you know Team looking regular in the top ten. Goffin had that horrible injury at the French Open, but. Jeez, he was playing some amazing tennis. It was so good to watch, uh, particularly you know, th- that match in Monte Carlo with uh, Djokovic really, really stood out for me. But, you know, he absolutely, those guys, I mean, that was a freak injury for Goffin. But you would imagine with his build and his body that he could stay around for a long time.
0: We are talking with Miles McLagan, a regular pundit and commentator on the game. Also, of course, the ex coach of Andy Murray and Borna Choric, among others. Now, finally this week, we look ahead. There are ATP 250 events in Atlanta and Gstaad in Switzerland. Uh, strong draws at both of those. And the final 500 of the year on clay, the German tennis championships in Hamburg. And, Miles, you look at the draw for Hamburg. Crenio Buster, Ramos Vignolas, Cuevas, Schwarzman, Ferrer... It's fair to say that this with Kitzball is the last hurrah really for these guys who build their whole season in a way their finances as well around clay
2: You know of course these guys they'll have a little bit of preparation time getting into the, the US hard court season it's maybe not perfect but there is a bit of chat around the tour the clay courters, of course would love more clay court events The the, the guys who like quicker surfaces would love a longer grass court season but very much so i mean hamburg it's it's a great event i remember when it was uh, was earlier in the year part of the the masters 1000 series the germans really run you know good events the, the weather they couldn't organize that it was pretty chilly at times i had my fair share of sitting on those concrete steps um you know, watching matches played in cold, cold, heavy conditions. But uh, yeah, for those guys, there's some, some names there. Uh, Ramos, Veneurs, Kareña Busta have had great seasons so far this year. So they can look to boost their confidence going into the hard court season.
0: And lots of Germans there too, as you'd expect, including Philipp Kohlschreiber, who, who you've coached. Yeah, and
2: he's had a the the bulk of his success. I think all his titles, in fact, all five, in in Germany. So, uh, someone who's very very comfortable at home, and someone I think all those names you mentioned will be will have their eye on the trophy.
0: Well, yeah, without Rafa there, because obviously the king of clay isn't there. Who is the favorite? Is there a favorite for that one? Do you think?
2: It's a little little hard to call because uh, you know coming off the grass, we haven't had that that run up, so it's a bit of a change, but but I think. Um, we didn't mention him amongst the, the younger uh, guns. He is get it, getting getting older and tennis. T- <laughs> so that's the wrong term. He's been around a little bit. But, you know, Carreño Busta is, is making a slow, steady rise up. And uh, I think in amongst that field, he has probably looked to be the favourite.
0: Well, that is it for this week. Join us on ATP Tennis Radio next Sunday for live commentary from that Hamburg final. You can do that via atpworldtour.com by searching for ATP Tennis Radio on TuneIn or if you have an Amazon Echo, just ask Alexa to play ATP Tennis Radio. She is very obliging. One man who won't be there getting his socks dirty is Roger Federer. The goat is taking a rest. That is it for this week. My thanks to Miles McLaggen. Miles, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Join us on the podcast next week as we look back on events in America, Switzerland and Germany and answer more of your questions as we turn our attention stateside to the U.S. hardcourt season with Masters 1000 events in Montreal and Cincinnati.
3: See you next time. If you like this podcast, please visit the iTunes store and search Tennis Radio to leave a review.